2: call 562-314-4603 for more details.
3: Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm
4: Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Crazy in Love is the true crime podcast that tells love stories with a twist.
5: This handsome doctor, who also is a retired military vet, it's almost like her dream man came into her life.
4: Sometimes the twist of a knife.
2: And I just can't imagine... When your spouse is murdered in such a horrific way, you don't want to know who did it and why.
4: Just because things start off with once upon a time doesn't mean everyone lives happily ever after. This is Crazy in Love, a production of KT Studios and iHeartRadio. I'm Courtney Armstrong, a crime producer at KT Studios, joined by fellow producers Tim Hamilton, Beth Greenwald, and Chris Graves. We've all worked for years on various crime podcasts and TV series, and as crime producers, we talk murder all the time. One thing we've noticed is just how many of them stem from love. We're exploring the story of the radio host, the doctor, and the motorcycle gang. They say the third time's a charm, and it was for 38-year-old April Christine Favazzo, who tied the knot with 54-year-old Dr. James Kaufman on Valentine's Day in 2003. It was a big, happy event for the couple. The two were both successful and in their prime. But that wasn't always the case for April. She grew up as the oldest of five, her home life was shrouded in some drug and alcohol abuse, and her siblings were sent to foster care. In fact, April was the only one not put into the system, and she was raised by her grandmother. But now in her 30s, April was a successful radio talk show host working at WIBG in New Jersey. She helmed a popular talk show that covered every topic imaginable. When she met the eligible Dr. James Kaufman, she was smitten and he swept her off her feet. James was a successful endocrinologist who ran the Egg Harbor Township medical practice. And April was thrilled to give her only daughter, Kim, a new stepfather. April and James were known around Linwood, New Jersey as a classic power couple. They lived in a big house. April drove a cherry red Corvette and she owned a Harley Davidson. April was also philanthropic and passionate about helping veterans. She even opened her home to nearby cadets and military recruits around the holidays. In fact, her fierce dedication to veteran care earned her the nickname, "Air Strike April. James was a Vietnam War veteran and a former Green Beret. He earned a Purple Heart and several Sharpshooter medals for his valor. He was also a big, gregarious personality, popular with his patients. April respected and adored him. Here's Chris.
6: April was just a super successful woman. I mean, she had a couple of successful businesses, salon and a catering outfit. And then she set her sights on radio and became a successful radio host. She's kind of this woman that seems to set her sights on something and then she makes it happen. And then she also was very well liked in the community. She was enthusiastic volunteer for many organizations. She was known for her gregarious personality And one of the things that she really loved to do was advocate for military veterans. And I wonder if, Tim, if her background that she had, because she was kind of a troubled background to a certain extent, her family life, maybe made her a little more empathetic to military veterans because they go through a lot. Totally. I think that
5: her background and her childhood definitely played a part because she didn't have the greatest childhood. She was one of those women who found love or what she thought was love early on in her life. And it happened to lead to a pregnancy and a marriage that dissolved, but a beautiful baby. Her daughter Kim came out of that, which was so important because they were like best friends growing up. More like best friends instead of mother-daughter. They shared a bond that was just undeniable.
6: I think the closeness that April had with her daughter was because they were really close in age. I mean, she had her when she was 17, so I can kind of see that.
5: I think because she didn't have that perfect Norman Rockwell childhood, she was always searching and had businesses all over the place and trying to find where she
2: belongs. She was looking for love, and she seemed like she found it with James Kaufman. And James was a well-respected doctor. Jersey guy through and through. I think he got his license in 1978. He was an endocrinologist. He was also a veteran, which we knew was one of Kim's passions. And he was a green beret, which is impressive. You know, he loved to ride his motorcycle around and like him a really adventurous spirit. And he was a hard worker. You know, he would get up early every day and go to work, but he also really loved Kim. He would call her every day once he got to the office to check in with her. So I think in Jim, she really found her, you know, happily ever after. And it sounds like Jim and April, I mean, He was known about town she had this radio show you know people were really aware of them and their life and really well liked in their community she used to have this
6: saying that you know nobody gives you anything you have to work for everything you get and i think with that closeness bond that she had with kim she probably taught her work ethic is the pinnacle of how you gain success
2: kim was 47 years old at that point She's had a couple failed relationships. You know what you want and you know what doesn't work. And here at this point in Dr. Jim Kaufman, with Jim, she found stability. She found companionship.
5: Having a a grown daughter at that point, being a successful businesswoman who's single and knowing what you want and don't want. And then in comes this handsome doctor with a thriving practice who also is a retired military vet. It's almost like her dream man came into her life, right? It's like they always say, you won't find it when you're looking for it. You'll find that love when you're least expecting it. And bam, she wasn't expecting it in her late 40s. And look what happened.
4: By 2012, nine years into the marriage, cracks began to appear. April's daughter, Kim, remembers her mother telling her she'd fallen down the stairs. But later, April admitted that James pushed her. It got to a point where April confided to Kim that the marriage was over. There were rumors of infidelity on both sides and James would threaten April that she would never get half of everything if they ever divorced. On May 10th, 2012, James made his daily call to April from his office, but no one answered. He called several more times and then called his handyman, Billy Gonzalez, who took care of the family's pets and did odd jobs around the house. He wanted Billy to check on April. This was highly unusual since James had only called Billy on his phone a handful of times in the six years he worked for the couple. What Billy saw when he got to the house would remain with him for the rest of his life. 47-year-old April Kaufman was sprawled face down on the bedroom floor, dead. She'd been shot twice. Panicked, Billy called James and then called 911. James also called nine one one. Here's a portion of his call.
2: This is Doctor Kaufman. I just got
5: called by my house person that my wife is face down on the floor. My
2: partner's
3: sending out the emails as
0: we speak. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm just, yeah, I'm getting there as fast as I can.
2: First of all, I don't know why he's calling nine one one if we know that Billy Gonzalez already called nine one one. The other thing that really stands out to me about this is he sounded remarkably calm for someone who just received a call saying, I found your wife face down with two shotgun holes in her back. I'm perplexed by this call, Tim.
5: My whole thought is, why does somebody call 911? You call 911 to ask for help. He's not calling asking for help. He's calling to check in like it's his executive assistant. Oh, I'm on my way. You
6: don't hear any emotion, and you don't hear a sense of urgency. He is calling 911, so there's a record that he called 911. He already in his head knows they might look at this as odd in an investigation. And if he calls 911, it's on record that he called 911 and that he was at the office and he wasn't near the house when it happened. And Kim has actually said
5: that when he called her, he said, your mom is dead. She's dead. She's dead. And he kept saying it over and over again with no emotion, is as if to almost want to hurt Kim as
2: well. Kim rushed over to the house. She parked in the middle of the cul-de-sac and ran towards the front door. And a police officer put out his arm to stop her. And she was frantically asking, where was her mother? Where was my mom? Where's my mom? And she was so worked up that she passed out. And when she woke up, she started to look around. And unfortunately, it was just in time to see them wheeling her mom's body out the front door of the house.
6: How sad is that for, you know... This daughter who... Anybody. Well, yeah, but she's also particularly close to her mom. And to not have been allowed in and to have been so emotional that she passes out, I mean, that speaks to the love that Kim has for her mom. After they've wheeled April away from the crime scene, the cops have their business set out for them, right? The investigators need to get to work.
4: We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a moment.
3: Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write,
2: The scene was really clean. I mean, considering someone had just been murdered there, there was no shell casings, no guns, no fingerprints, no forensics. And another thing that was really strange is that there was no sign of forced entry or burglary. And, you know, it was so clean, it looked like a hit. The only thing that they did find was a pillow that was covered in soot, um, which indicated that somehow it was used to muffle the gun that shot Kim. And, you know, April being, you know, outspoken, uh, a radio host, and, she, you know, she had strong point of views and a fair share of people that weren't fans. And so this really kind of set up a a, a challenging investigation uh, for the police that they were really going to have to follow every lead because they had nothing to go on.
5: Which then caused conspiracy theories all around the town of who could have done this. Was it some professional... Was it a disgruntled listener? Was it a veteran? The
6: rumors and innuendos were now all around town. And the crime scene didn't really leave any clues as to who might've done this.
2: And they questioned Jim, but I mean, obviously he had an alibi. He was at work and he called 911 to say, I'm on my way home, but he was you know, cleared by the police. The one thing that Jim did offer was a tip that he thought that maybe the pagan motorcycle gang had a hand at Kim's murder
6: eerily enough, in April's last radio appearance, and I'm not kidding you, she talked about her legacy and imagined a funeral with a flyover. I don't even know how to explain that. Next thing you know, she's been shot dead, right? And after the murder, instead of behaving like a loving husband and stepdad, James asked Kim to meet him at a restaurant and it's not to console her or anything. It's to tell her that he's hired a lawyer. Even though he was never arrested, he's, he's lawyering up, right? I mean, that's super strange. And the lawyer he ends up hiring is Ed Jacobs, the guy who defended Bill Cosby. And he then informs her that he thinks the case will never be solved. How does James know that? What has he got under his sleeve that he thinks these things? Kim thought that the conversation would be about possible leads in her mom's death, and now she's hearing her stepdad say these weird things to her.
5: It's all very odd, and something else that's odd was that Kim never was in love with her mom's husband the way you would think somebody would be, happy and really invested in the new husband that their mother marries. But that wasn't the case here. She always felt a little odd. She always felt like something was up, And it stems back to when she was talking to police. It triggered a memory where Kimberly wanted to interview James and talk about his being a vet and all of the the honors and medals and how highly decorated he was. And he says, I'll do the interview with you, but you can't tell your mother anything that I tell you. And you have to destroy the tapes after we're done. That's really bizarre and odd. And it's just – it plays into her suspicion what else he's hiding because now he's telling her he's lawyered up. He's telling her all these things that she doesn't really expect to hear. And it triggers that memory about him being very cautious about his background in the military. And Kim, determined as she is to get to the root of her mom's murder, she's not stopping down just like her mom – She's going to badger everyone. She's going to knock on doors. She's going to talk to everybody. She is going to connect the dots if nobody else will, including her stepfather and the police.
6: You know, she's going to do candlelight vigils and things like that. But the prosecutor that was in the state when the murder happened, their term was up and a new prosecutor. And Kim was tenacious enough to make sure that new prosecutor knew about this case and didn't get
2: forgotten. Kim wanted to sit down and just have a conversation with him because she wanted to find out who did this, and he wouldn't even really sit down with her. It was one of the things that I found super strange. And when all these candlelight vigils were going on and people gathering to console each other, Jim was never there.
5: No, in fact, what he was doing was he was back at his house packing up all of her stuff to sell it at a garage sale or donate it you know, to the local charity houses so that he can Get her out of the house and on with his life.
4: The case gets a lot of media attention, but no leads. And James is not a suspect. He was seen on a surveillance camera at a local convenience store at the time of April's murder. But three months after April's death, James tries to cash in on her $600,000 insurance policy. April's daughter Kim received a copy of the paperwork listing James as the primary beneficiary with herself as the contingent beneficiary. That meant that if something happened to James, Kim would get the money. However, Kim decided not to sign and she filed a wrongful death suit against James to stop him from receiving the money. She believes this will help her get some answers about what actually happened to her mother. The lawsuit becomes an opportunity for James to testify under oath about his wife's death. In a four and a half hour deposition, he said April may have been killed by a veteran or someone in the pagan motorcycle gang. The pagans are a known motorcycle outlaw club and they are violent. James was also asked about his career in the military and admitted that he had never served. He did state in the deposition that he had told April and her daughter Kim, along with several other people, that he was a veteran. In other words, he was a liar. Here's Tim.
5: Well, here's the interesting thing. Since her daughter opens a wrongful death suit, the insurance company decides to hold off on paying out any of that insurance money. And it winds up landing in escrow where nobody can touch it. It's just sitting there. Kim hires her own team of lawyers now to look over her mother's case and they bring in investigators, experts, pathologists, and they're all trying to find out something, anything on James. Basically, Kim is trying to keep her mother's case alive and won't let it just kind of fizzle out to be a a case that just goes cold. And then the one year anniversary of April's death, there's a candlelight vigil that, that Kim coordinates and holds in the community. However, James is the only person... That doesn't show up. And the interesting part of why he's not there is because he's out auctioning off all of April's prized possessions and anything that was a keepsake or a family, something that could have gone to Kim or other people in the family. He totally just killed all that and auctioned off and sold everything.
6: I mean, that's terrible, Tim. I mean, I, here's Kim who has been so close to her mom. And you can expect that uh, James would have known there were things that she probably would want. Here he is, auctioning off and selling Kim's mother's life. I mean, April's life is being sold. You know, all her possessions, her memories. And Kim, you know, Kim had wanted several things. She wanted uh, to remember her. You know, if there was family heirlooms. There was like a really important set of Disney coffee mugs to her.
2: James sold everything. He didn't save anything for her. Not only did he sell everything, but he did something else that I thought was really disturbing. Fifteen months after April was murdered, he got married again. And he claimed that he met the new woman after April died. But I think Kim had concerns that, you know, he was cheating. I, I also think the other thing was, is even if you're trying to put this behind you in some capacity, you know, Jim never came to the vigils for April. And someone even held up in the crowd. I remember seeing this, a sign saying, where's Jim Kaufman? And brought it to the vigil because it's it's not like he had any, he wasn't looking to figure out who murdered his wife and he wasn't distraught. He was looking forward, not back in any way, shape or form. And I just can't imagine when your spouse is murdered in such a horrific way, you don't want to know who did it and why.
5: And, you know, once the community of Little Egg Harbor starts realizing he's not here and Where is Jim? You know, your days are kind of numbered. And if you're a patient of his practice, I don't know if I'd want to still be his patient. Now I'm, you know, I can imagine all this and the really bad optics of it are gonna start to have a ripple effect within his community.
2: So Jim wanted to get this insurance money. And the case wasn't solved yet, so the insurance company put the money in escrow. And Kim also hired her own legal team to fight this matter. So as a result of this battle over the insurance payment, you know there was gonna have to be a, a legal fight. And for that reason, Jim was gonna have to be deposed. Kim hired a team of lawyers, not only to try and stop Jim from getting the insurance payout, but to help her investigate Jim in her mother's murder. So they brought in investigators and those experts and all these people to really dig deep. And as a result of these lawyers and this settlement, Jim was going to have to be deposed, which was really the only way that they were going to be able to ask him questions and get some solid answers.
5: And if it wasn't for Kim constantly pushing and pushing and pushing, that wouldn't have happened. And ultimately that's the key that opens and cracks the whole
2: case. So during the deposition, you know, Jim was questioned under oath about April's murder. He was asked if he ever threatened to shoot April. He said no. He was asked if he had an affair during the marriage. He said no. During the deposition, they basically let him tell whatever story he wanted for four and a half hours, and they were basically going to use this videotape deposition to be used as a roadmap for the prosecutor. This was their only shot at asking him these questions. So they were asking him everything under the sun. So that way, when this deposition was done, here's a videotape of everything he said and see where the cracks begin to show. Let's
5: just start with one of the biggest cracks of all. He wasn't even in the military. He wasn't a soldier. He wasn't a retired vet. He lied. It makes sense now why he wanted Kimberly to destroy the tapes after his interview, why Kimberly could never tell her mother what he said or anybody for that matter. Like, I think that to me is the most shocking because of all the things that she loved about him, and there were a lot... She loved the fact that he was a vet, and she was so proud to help vets.
4: As the years marched on, April's case grew cold, but a new prosecutor, a former judge, resurrected it five years later. In 2017, after an FBI tip, the police, armed with a search warrant, attempted to search James's office. This was not about April's murder. Instead, it was a totally unrelated insurance fraud case involving unnecessary blood tests. James would bill to insurance companies and receive tens of thousands of dollars in kickbacks. As the police surrounded his practice and announced themselves, James answered the door holding a gun and threatened to kill himself. Here is a piece of the police body cam audio of when the police served the doctor with the search warrant.
5: Five eleven. I have won a, a gunpoint. Doctor
1: James down. Kaufman. He has a weapon. Put it down. Drop the gun. Put it down. Drop the gun. No. Hey. Drop, gun the the gun.
5: drop the gun. Drop the gun. have a search warrant. Sir. Sir? sir.
4: Drop the gun.
1: Can I fit it? Put
4: Just dro- drop. It drop the
5: gun. Let's uh, talk. Sir, just drop the gun.
1: We only have a search warrant.
5: We have a search warrant. You're not under arrest. Listen. Your office and your
6: house, your car and your person. I don't believe it. Yes, we do. No, I'm not going
1: to jail for this. Sir, we just have search warrants.
6: That's it. Put the weapon down. No.
1: Drop the weapon. Listen, let's talk. Listen,
6: let's talk. Sir. Jim. I mean, that's some of the most shocking police body cam I've ever heard. You know, they're there for a search warrant that has nothing to do with. Uh, anything that he's been looked at in the past, you know, that to me speaks to James's guilty conscience. He assumes that the police are there to get him when all they wanted to do was search his office.
5: I mean, really, when you think about it, it's like guilty conscience, anyone? I mean, that is a drastic response to police saying they want to come look through your records. You know, he was yelling at the police and this is on video. There is there's police officer cameras that show him in this standoff screaming, I'm not going to jail for this. I think he really thought the police were there about April's death. And so he was panicking and he was behaving so erratically. He went back inside his office And then the investigators said they they really only wanted to search the clinic and look at his records. But like you just said, he went off the deep end. He's going crazy and he's, he's guilty. He knows he's guilty. He doesn't even realize why they're actually there.
2: Well, I mean, it was obviously a complete erratic behavior. And it was 45 minutes of this standoff and yelling and he had a gun and everything else. And when the police finally got in, Chris, I think you know what they found.
6: Yeah, I mean, the police found $100,000 in cash and some weapons. I mean, who keeps $100,000 in cash? Either it's money he's saving because he needs to get away and he wants to keep off the radar, or it's money he's making from something he shouldn't be doing. Once they found the $100,000 in cash and some weapons, they... Booked him on weapons charges and he was put behind bars, which allowed the police to now continue their investigation into him, whether that was on what they thought he was doing with his office or what happened to April.
4: Let's stop here for another quick break.
3: Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's leesa.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write.
2: When he finally did, you know, surrender, he was booked on weapons charges and he was put behind bars and it really kind of served two purposes because obviously they had an investigation going on into this insurance fraud, but they also over here had this unsolved murder of his wife. It would have just been
5: a routine, check your files, make sure you're billing correctly and be done. But because of his guilty conscience, it went a whole nother direction. And really one slip of the tongue and the truth comes out.
6: Well, except, Tim, they did find the 100000 in cash. <laughs> they did find the weapons,
2: so they had him on weapons charges. They knew what they were looking for on, on that front, but it really did also give them... $100,000 in cash also speaks to me. Like, is he going somewhere?
5: Or is he paying somebody off?
2: Finding what they found and the way that he behaved gave them cause to put him behind bars while they investigated not only the insurance claim, but April's murder.
5: So law enforcement was simultaneously keeping Kim's lawyers in the loop getting Jim into custody for something else was really just them setting the stage for charging him with April's murder. So this was all a ruse just to really get the goods of what they really need from him. I just keep going back to the thought that if it wasn't for Kim's persistence and wanting to bring justice in and bring her mother the justice that she deserves, none of this would happen.
6: Not only that, it, all that came from April teaching her that nobody gives you anything you have to work for it. So Kim was working for her mom's justice.
2: Prosecutors also uncovered that April wanted a divorce. And what was really disturbing is Jim stated that he would sooner kill her than give her divorce and lose half his empire. And April threatened certain steps to obtain a divorce, spending as much money as she could, and also threatening to expose the fact that there was an illegal drug operation going on at Jim's office. This was all shared by the prosecutor's office, Chris.
6: April knew about the pill mill, you know, that he was running. All of these pieces of information are now coming forward that's going to allow the prosecutor to really go after James. And that's part of what the search warrant was about. When they uncovered April talking about the pill mill and they connected Jim to it, Jim was actually connected to the very same motorcycle gang he tried to pin April's murder on, the Pagan motorcycle gang. And he had several friends in there and he ran a pill mill with This motorcycle gang, where he would write scripts for them and give them drugs, and then they would go out in the street and sell it. And so, one would think that the money that they found in his office was probably connected to that, because you know that's usually a cash business. So, the man that he dealt with most was a man called Fernando Guayo in the in the motorcycle gang, and the scripts were for mainly for oxy. And so, they would get a thousand dollars per script. And then the pills would get sold. And those without insurance were required to pay $100 per visit. So it's, it's a cash machine for James here, who is also, you know, contributing to people probably being addicted to painkillers and stuff. It's not a very glamorous thing to be doing or good thing. And I'm assuming that's partly why April wanted a divorce from him, because she probably didn't believe in what he was doing. And through tips from Kim's lawyers, law enforcement learned of a burner phone that Jim had used. And the FBI obtained 10 days worth of phone records for the phone prior to April's murder. And there was hundreds of calls to Ferdinand Aguayo. And he was the former head of this pagan motorcycle gang. It's
5: interesting because they both really enjoyed the motorcycle gang. They rode motorcycles together. These were people that they were friendly with. And yet, at the same time, he's trying to pin his wife's death on them. At the same time, he's also in a drug ring with them. It's so multi layered of how effed up this is.
4: As the feds and police dug deeper, they uncovered a narcotic scheme with James at the center. The doctor was writing fraudulent medical prescriptions for the pagan motorcycle gang who sold Oxycontin on the streets. The authorities finally had James, and he was arrested. But he wasn't done. James sent a letter to the prosecutors claiming it was the Pagans who were responsible for everything, including April's murder. The police shared that letter with the Pagans, who were not happy to have a snitch in their clan. That's when they started talking about April Kaufman's death. Here's Chris.
6: When the Pagans found out that James had turned snitch. They got pretty angry about it and they started talking to the police and they let them know that April had found out about the pill mill. They knew about that and had threatened to expose it. And it had made James super, super angry. He didn't take kind to being threatened himself with a divorce because she wanted to get away from him. And So he started making inquiries throughout the motorcycle gang to find out if anyone wanted to help him make April go away, which obviously was a euphemism for I I want my wife murdered. Right. The motorcycle gang member who was talking to the police went on to say that the doctor propositioned several people to murder his wife and it took a year for someone to agree to kill her. I mean, that's a lot of premeditated planning on James's part.
5: Yeah, and that's when enter Francis Mulholland, an opioid user who the good doctor was writing prescriptions for illegally, came in and took the job to kill April for $20,000. So for $20,000, he killed April, destroyed a family, destroyed everything good about this woman. And then just a year later... Mulholland died, ironically, of a drug overdose of those same pills that he was buying from the doctor.
2: Think about it. This guy was an opioid user. He was a murderer. And the man that paid him $20,000 also sold him the pills that ultimately killed him. There's some sort of poetic justice in that. And, you know, what's crazy is that that pill mill that James was running went on for five years after April was murdered.
5: The evidence is mounting up on James. It's not coming on everybody else he wrote prescriptions for. It's not coming back to vets. Every single thing keeps coming back to James. And from the very beginning, April's daughter, Kimberly, said, I would be looking at my stepfather.
2: The former leader of the Pagans, you know, Freddie Aguello, was already so concerned about Jim flipping, so much so that he tried to hire someone in prison to kill Jim. And Jim realized this and knew it was going to happen and really kind of terrified him. And police were also concerned, knowing this gang and knowing what they'd been into and knowing how they operate. So they moved Jim to a prison where they thought he'd be safer. And
6: then in October of 2018, Ferdinand Aguayo was found guilty of conspiracy, racketeering and drug charges. And he was sentenced to life in prison, plus 30 years, all for his connection to helping James find a hitman to kill his wife, April.
4: In January of 2018, James was charged with putting a hit on his wife and racketeering. He was also charged with working with the pagan motorcycle gang to set up a distribution network for OxyContin. Before he went to trial, 69-year-old Dr. James Kaufman hung himself with a laundry cord in his cell. He'd left behind a six-page note. In it, he says he was forced into the drug ring by April and claims he didn't murder her. The note also included the following quote, "'As God is my witness and will be, I cannot live like this. "'No matter what anybody says, I did not do anything to my wife, "'and I am not, was not, in the rackets.'" April's son-in-law and nephews dedicated a bench in her memory that the family often visits. And two of April's friends bought back all of the possessions that James had sold and returned them to Kim. One of the items had a note inside it that said, To Kimberly from Mom. Whenever you look at this, know you are always loved. You are special. Best wishes for the rest of your life. If you're enjoying Crazy in Love, listen to seasons one and two of the Piketon Massacre, another KT Studios production. <laughs> Crazy in Love is produced by Stephanie Liedecker, Beth Greenwald, Chris Graves, Lisa DiGiovine, Jeff Shane, Tim Hamilton, and me, Courtney Armstrong. Editing and sound design by Jeff Twa, additional editing by Davey Cooper-Wasser. Crazy in Love is a production of iHeartRadio and KT Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
1: That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
4: Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart90s away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.